Let's make sure history never forgets the name. Sci-fi melody. Got out. All right, this is gonna be awesome. Got pizza. Got some drink. Ugh, and now it's time to edit some melody. All right, let's see here. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, oh, here we go. The third X-Files week. This month is good. I've been paying attention, actually. Now let's see what this guy's got for an intro. Uh, Ruck. Here is the intro. Don't question me. Put it in. Kind regards with love, the Rage Master. Okay, well, let's see what this is. Stop! Stop, evildoers! Introducing super-stretching superhero Stretch Armstrong! Yes, Stretch Armstrong! Now stretching fun farther than ever before! He bends, he stretches, even ties and knots, but always returns to his original shape! How's he do that? He's been doing that since he was a kid! Stretch Armstrong from Cap Toys! Who else? Um... What in the world was that? Ah, great. I gotta make some phone calls back to HR. He's going loony again. Finality, symptom 255. X-Files, squeeze. Begin Freak of the Week episodes. Welcome back again, sickies, to yet another week of X-Files. And, you know... Do we have a bonus week of X-Files left? Uh, I believe we do, yes. Will it be Season 1, Episode 4? <laughs> no, it's uh, going to be Season 1, Episode 8. We can't go past Season 1. Uh, I, I'm kind of decided that, because everything we've done is episode, Season 1. It's like, well, we just got to stick with it and come back to Season 2 at a later point. Next August. Uh, it's a thought. It's a thought. But we will come back to Season 2. But... Because this has been such a good month. Um, nothing's been rated lower than an 8 across the board. Well, so, still, I'm still shocked you two haven't watched X-Files. Uh, I know, right? I'm kicking myself. Why didn't I watch it when it was on? I, I know I why Scott it. didn't. Because Star Trek, but... And I, I, don't, I was bowling five nights a week. So I didn't watch any TV from about 1997 to 2010. A, the show came out in the early 90s. B, it was on every Sunday night. And you were bowling, so... Oh... I don't know why, honestly. I had a friend that was really into that show, and he talked about it a lot, and I thought it sounded great, and then I never watched it. Let's be honest, so. Scott wasn't bowling. He was just throwing balls down the gutter. And I was a good bowler. Yeah, you were a good bowler, but you weren't doing it Sunday night. That's true. So the point is, I don't know what it was, but nonetheless, we are Through continuing the best of the best of season one. With oddly enough, we're jumping back. We did episode the pilot, episode two, and then we jumped ahead, and now we're going back to three. Why? Because. because why not? Because good enough. The episode is entitled Squeeze. And the basic premise is that 
a former colleague of uh, Scully is on a case in Baltimore, a murder case, where they can find the person was murdered, but there was no break-in, no entry point. And she want, and he wants to bring her in to help out. And she suggests bringing in Mulder, Spooky Mulder. This is where we start hearing that name, by the way, Spooky Mulder. And um, so she brings him in, even though the other team doesn't really want him there, but they're kind of desperate. And through investigation, Mulder starts finding things like fingerprints of the crime scenes, and he's starting to get convinced that uh, this, based on patterns, that this killer has been around for a long time. Because it's not just this person kills, it's just they leave no trace of entry or break-in, and they take their victim's liver, and after four or five victims, they disappear. And, of course, the rest of the FBI doesn't buy it one iota. They think he's nuts. Mulder, on the other hand, thinks he's dealing with some kind of mutant anomaly. They even interview an old police officer who said he was looking for the killer from the 60s. And after reading through microfiche and all sorts of other things, at one point they actually find the guy, Toombs, his name is, and they put him up to a... Um, lie detector test and he passes Mulder doesn't believe it because he's Mulder and as we've established the counter evidence is never conclusive enough but in the end they go back to the warehouse that this that Toombs was living in find the little newspaper nest he made and draw him out and he winds up attacking Scully and Mulder goes to see her and saves her life, and Toombs winds up in prison, in jail. But in the end, some idiot orderly leaves the door open, and Toombs contemplates escaping, because Toombs, in addition to needing livers every, what is it, 30, 20 years, something like that? 30-year cycle. 30-year cycle. He can contort, and he can make his body fit into the most narrow of crevices. And analysis was showing, too, that his metabolism was low and his bone structure was not dense, so he could contort himself. And it's supposed that he needs these five livers every 20 or 30 years so he can keep carrying on. Uh, what's interesting about this episode, before we get into any trivia, is in this episode, Scully starts getting protective of Mulder. She's still a little bit skeptical, but Mulder admits you can be skeptical as long as you enjoy the ride. So, the relationship, she's starting to respect him more and put some credence into what he's doing. Uh, of course, Beyond the Sea is much later in this, in this season. But these are kind of like the antecedents for when Scully starts looking at Mulder and thinking, maybe there's something to him after all. Uh, we'll get more into that with some of the questions, but let me quickly go through the fun, super happy trivia. So, like I said, Toombs is played by Doug Hutchinson, 
And in reality, uh, Hutchinson's actually a vegetarian. And upon getting the role after the fact, he sent an animal liver to Chris Carter to thank him for getting the role. Because that's what a vegetarian would do, right? Yeah. That's weird. Um, this is also the episode that gets, it gets brought up a lot. In the um, opening sequence, Mulder and Scully enter a room and there's like a still frame. This is from that episode. Ah. Uh, yeah, that when they enter the apartment, the tombs is living in. Yeah. Oh, that is just disgusting, that nest he makes. Chris Hutchinson <clears throat> seems like the type of actor, if he's a vegetarian who's going to send an animal liver to the showrunner for giving him the part as a way to say thank you, might also send 400 pounds of pricks postage due if he didn't get the part. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, I think he's just nuts. Personally, he plays the nuts per- nutsoid because the 400 bricks was just vindictive and jerkish. <laughs> um, this episode was created by Chris Carter as a way to prove the show could be more than just alien. Because remember, at season three, or in, and by episode three, we've had two or three episodes about just aliens. So this is a way to say, no, 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 it's more than that. Keeping kind of in the tradition of Kolchak, the Night Stalker, th- that I mentioned in the first episode. Um, so yeah, there were actually... This is when it kind of does establish that it's aliens, but there's also the, it's not aliens, it has nothing to do with aliens, it's either supernatural, or it's yeah. a mutation or something. So Right, which is what this was. Yeah. Later yeah. on in season one, they do a reincarnation episode in Born Again, and I thought that one was pretty cool. You get into some different aspects that are not alien-based, which is good every, you know, kind of just to switch it up every few episodes. Well, geez, Scott, thanks for bearing the lead. That's going to be our next one. Are you kidding? In season one? Yeah. Yeah, that's going to oh, be one. You had already chosen oh. that one. You've got to be kidding me. Wow. Are you all yeah, around that's the same wavelength? Ch- <laughs> okay, sickies. Yeah. Uh, you got a spoiler. <laughs> you got a spoiler there, sickies. Um, so... This uh, particular, oh, by the way, the actor who played Tombs was, there were two actors, Doug Hutchinson, the loony one, but also a contortionist that I couldn't find a name for, but someone who could actually contort their body. Now, yes, there was some trickery, like when he went down the chimney and they clearly showed a um, bigger image of his head outside and then like some camera trick. They clearly did that, but... Otherwise, they also had contortionists. Uh, no, I 100% believe that was 100% him. Yeah, I nope. totally fit through the grates like that. Totally. This is what I had decided. Um, I was going to have to tell Scarlet that leaving cookies and milk for Santa is the wrong thing. She needs to leave human livers and bile. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Even though that guy doesn't bring gifts, but, you know. Uh, listen, it's the um, off season. <laughs> he wakes up from his hibernation and <laughs> on Christmas to deliver gifts. <laughs> uh, I guess he, that's why he goes nuts and eats liver every twenty years. <laughs> Santa, if you're on the really naughty, if you're on the naughty list, you get coal. If you're on the really naughty list, Santa punches out your liver and eats it. 
Okay. <laughs> that won't traumatize her. <laughs> I guess we're going with the original uh, fairy tale of Christmas, Leo. Yeah. Krampus or whatever. Krampus. Yeah. Yes, there. There you go, Krampus. Yeah. Hey, Santa Claus based off Saint Nick, who allegedly saved kids from the butcher's knife. Whatever that means. Um. So, if it isn't obvious already, and we've mentioned this, early X Files episodes and themes were meant to have been influenced by Silence of the Lambs. Um. So Scully's character is meant to be Clary Starling. The idea of tombs eating liver is a nod to Dr. Hannibal Lecter saying, I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. You know, that killer scene. That, that's kind of where he got it. Um, so yeah, he didn't have a Chianti with this. He just had bile with it. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying that, that that was the kind of inspiration. You know, Chris Carter took a lot of inspiration. I guess the f- last fact I'll give is before Toombs kills the first victim, a newspaper clipping is seen that read, and I quote, Fat Lady in Toilet Crashes Through the Floor. <laughs> awesome. I would, there, that's how you make your name a journalism. Yeah, and that's I did my, go, my article right there. I did, I did go back and read through, look through, and yes, it's there. So, with those fun facts okay. out of the way, um, you know, let's do something a little different. Before I get into the big questions here, any rips and picks you want to throw out there, guys? Other than the fact that Toombs does a very good job, Hutchinson does a great job of looking like a lunatic. In-show character building. I love when... Um, so, Colton, just to be a prick says, Mulder, what do you think? Does this look like the work of Little Green Men? And he goes, gray. And he goes into a whole thing about why the abductees who take the human liver are generally gray-skinned aliens. And I love it. He doesn't miss a beat. And it's, it's this, it is a great way to deflect an insult. He just comes back with it and doesn't even register the insult and just dead serious makes Colton look stupid and makes Colton look like a jerk for even mm-hmm. coming in and hinting that. I love that scene as just a character-building scene for Mulder with them letting our our hero, you know, so to speak, own the guy who's set up to be the villain. Yeah, oh yeah, so definitely. That that was a very clever scene. Um, it also uh, does do exactly what you're saying, which builds up the characters and allows you to see that spooky Mulder, you know, he isn't just chasing aliens. He and he knows that you know what other people see, how other people see him, but it doesn't bother him. No, and it's interesting how Scully is starting to become defensive of him now because she's seen that there's something to it, even if she doesn't agree with it completely. And she also has to respect Mulder because it's been established she's a great profiler. So, yeah, he's worthy of respect in this regard. Plus, um, um, the Scully's colleague Colton, he's he's a jerk. In fact, he calls off a stakeout just because he's 
it's all about him and his career and advancement. And when he says he's going to climb to the top, Scully says, I hope you fall off and it lands on your butt. I like um, that moment, too. It was a wonderful character-building moment for her as well. Yeah, because they're starting to bond a little bit, but also um, kind of show that Scully is someone who's coming around, who's able to change. So, which kind of brings us to the first question. You know, we've had deep thought questions, I suppose you could say, this whole month on these things. And one of them is, so, Scully, you know, she starts to come around to Mulder's ideas. Well, A, is she? And would you? You know, what would it take for you to change your mind and uh, believe Mulder? on a lot of these things. The experience Scully had in the season one finale. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're not there yet, but so as of right now, based on what you know, see episode one, two, three, is Scully coming around to Mulder, yes or no, and why or why not? And two, would you? And what would it take? I'm not... I don't think Scully's coming around to Mulder's point of view. Scully's not believing in aliens. She's not believing in in ESP. She's not believing in psychic powers. She's not believing in reincarnation yet. Uh, I think what's happening here is that she sees that Fox Mulder is, yes, eccentric. Yes, unorthodox. But there's a reason that they were, you know, as you'll hear in later episodes, talking about him at the Academy that he was the most revolutionary, talented agent that that the agency has ever seen. Um, And where he's chosen to direct his energies into this eccentric and unorthodox field. And I think she's seeing that. And close work with the man shows her that this is a man who has scruples, has morals, is a good man, um, is fully committed, believes what he's doing. And she believes now, I think, that Mulder believes And at the same point in time, she respects him as an agent. What he's going through, the processes he's going through to pursue the truth that he believes are sound and solid. He's not a crackpot. He's not looking for, he is looking for evidence, but he's not forcing it to fit into a box if it doesn't fit. Um, And I think what you're seeing here she is still the rational scientist, but she has come around to Mulder the man, and she has now become to resent the treatment that he gets from other agents because he's potentially considering that there may be something going on out there that we haven't defined, something beyond our understanding, and that he's looking for a way to properly follow that evidence to the truth, and he's doing it the right way by procedures, and she's just she's seeing that he really is... Um, as good an FBI agent as they have. Well, and that's true, too. I mean, we don't see this yet, but by the time you get to um, Beyond the Sea, you can definitely see that Mulder's not forcing it because she asks him, what, you don't believe in psychics anymore? And he said, oh, yeah, I believe in psychics. I just don't believe he's one of them. Right. Well, not just that, but remember the first episode. She already knew this guy. He, yeah. He knows that him. He's well known within the FBI. So it's not like he is not known 
some nobody. It's like this guy is well known who is studied at the academy because he's a really good profiler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now he's just going off on some deep end stuff. But again, she's seen that his deep end stuff in just the two episodes before this may not agree with him, but there might be something there. And if nothing else, it's not harming to investigate it. Right. And I'll say that she may not be coming around to what Mulder believes the answer is. But she's coming around to trying to find a way to scientifically explain what Mulder's onto and his hunches and put it in a context that she understands. She comes back at the end and says he has a very low metabolic rate that oddly declines. And then she's saying um, he has some um, abnormalities that allow him to contort and to be a contortionist. So he's a genetic anomaly in multiple ways. She's not coming around to aliens. And she's not coming around to, you know, supernatural phenomenon, but she is putting this into a context that, okay, Mulder might be right. He might be responsible for murders that happened 100 years ago because right. he has this weird genetic ability to slow his metabolic rate to where he hibernates. Um, so I think Scully's coming around to the fact that Mulder is on to some things, but she really still believes that she can put it into a scientific context that lands in the mainstream. And that she can maybe even legitimize his work and pull him back a bit to the mainstream. Right. The second part of your question is, what would it take for me to believe? Um, right. That's the next one. This is kind of... So, I get asked this question, and it's twofold. And it, it's come down to, what do I believe about alien life? Okay? Well, um, it doesn't have to be alien life. It could just be the existence of a... A genetic anomaly like the guy here. I mean, yep. whether that's interdimensional Bigfoot or whatever. But I think that alien life is sentient, sapient alien life is the best way to answer this question. And what would it take me to believe? I fully believe that there is additional sentient, sapient alien life that can think on our level and possibly beyond us. Uh, and, and that there is alien life out there. I do not believe that in a galaxy that is infinite, that life could only accidentally have achieved our level of sentience and sapience on this planet. Then people ask me, have they ever visited Earth? And I say, um, at this point, I will give you a definitive no. And I have a rationale for that. By everything that I know of, that human society knows of physics, it's either impossible to get here, or there is such a cost to it that there is no point in coming here. Um, that there's no amount of resources that you could get off of this planet to, to uh, offset the expense of traveling interstellar distances. For all we know of physics, the speed of light is the maximum speed. What would it take for me to believe that alien life is here? Either physical proof, or... If you were to show me that our understanding of physics is wrong and that it is possible to travel faster than light or it is possible to create an actual wormhole and fold space and, you know, it's one of those things and, and to be able to make it in a, in a way that not a cost-benefit analysis, the trip makes sense, even for research, um, show me we're wrong on that and show me that the best knowledge of science says we are wrong. 
And at that point, then, I will change my opinion. In absence of any other evidence to the contrary, all the evidence that aliens have been here or have visited us is not entirely persuasive. So I okay. come down on that side. What would it take okay. for me to believe? One of those two things. Okay. Um, on the alien side, I think Scott's pro... I'm not... Deciding if there's aliens out there is kind of a tricky one, but definitely if they are, they haven't reached Earth. But one simple fact, we would be getting radio waves or something if they were advanced enough to reach Earth because they would have had to at least gotten to that technology level a long time ago and would have blasted those out. Because right. somewhere out there right now, is there, there's a speech of Hitler along with I Love Lucy sitting there blasting through space. <laughs> That's a funny thought. Yeah. So, I mean, somewhere in space, you could, if you went fast enough, you could catch up to that and you could watch old reruns of I Love Lucy technically live. Um, and then tune in for Nuremberg. Yeah. So, I mean, you could do some funky stuff in space. Um, but other things like abnormalities or genetic anomalies or even animals mutating in certain ways absolutely i mean the earth is massive and there's sections of the ocean and jungle we haven't even really explored or found everything in and the human body continues to baffle us and continues to do genetic abnormalities that we don't understand half the time so i wouldn't be surprised if something happened with some not to this degree let's say because this is a pretty extreme mutation but some kind of mutation oh i could see it happening well i mean i remember there was a show on history called um something like super abilities with stan lee and stan lee had someone go around the earth to look for people with extraordinary abilities and the host himself was a contortionist that could bend himself into a suitcase um but there were other people like a guy that had partially magnetic skin um another guy that just a guy in finland that could stay in a, a, a searing hot sauna for hours on end and not feel a thing he'd be fine because his skin just somehow absorbed or dissipated the heat energy and he would win competitions of yeah, just, it, it, and exactly. he didn't have to so, do anything he just sat there and he could do it yeah so again i'm not i believe that abnormalities and genetic abnormalities exist some of them beneficial, some of them not. <laughs> but right. They exist, and I, I would doubt just medically that this one would be possible. Um, for a few reasons. One being, uh, the human body really is not in any way built for hibernation in any way. Um, we don't really able to maintain heat that way. We're not able to, uh, our brain for one is enormously energy intensive organ. 
that does not like to be at all messed with its blood flow or anything. So, I mean, it, it would require a level on bordering on actually designed to be able to even get close to this kind of mm. that we see in this, this episode. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would kind of go with Scott on this one that I would need to see empirical evidence and observation. Um, and plus, I'd also have to see aliens communicating with the world like they did in the day the Earth stood still, just not one lone guy in the woods. So, um, that's kind of what... What, you don't what? believe Billy Bob? What? Scott? No. I, 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 okay, I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I want to clarify. I need the empirical evidence or even the even the 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 realm of possibility to effectively and efficiently get here i don't need to observe an alien i don't need the communication i don't need to see it with my own eyes to be okay. open to the possibility right. i would go from a definitive no to saying i'm probably 51% certain that they've been here if I felt that it was scientifically possible for them to get here. Well, so the some, said they've been here for a uh, long so time. Yeah. So if some, let's say, advancement in our understanding of physics came along, you might change your mind. I probably would overnight. Uh, so here's the thing. Yeah, it's a really weird thing. I definitively believe that there's intelligent alien life out there somewhere in this um, universe, considering mm -hmm. that it's made up of galaxies of galaxies of galaxies. I think it's an impossibility. If it could, if it could arise once here, life can arise once anywhere. If, you know, I mean, just, I mean, if God created it here, he could create it elsewhere. And, you know, since we're never likely to encounter each other, maybe he just didn't feel the need to tell, you know, Abraham that, or any of the other prophets. Oh. Well, I did, the Bible's not your way to go on aliens there, since it does say mankind is unique, so... I, I, I get it. I, I understand. I'm but, just saying... But I get what you're getting at. Yeah. Um, so once it becomes possible for them to get here with energy usage, or that, you know, it's efficient and there makes sense to study lesser developed cultures, etc., etc., you know, I don't need radio waves. I don't need... Maybe they communicate in a different wavelength frequency that we're not aware of yet i can put all of that stuff together and i probably end up believing it at that point if they're out there and it's possible to get here they've probably been here so since i believe a i just need premise b to become possible to reach conclusion c that they've been here logically um i no, i get you yeah. because because there's, there's such a distance i mean it if we're just talking about the Milky Way, or just the Milky Way, the galaxy that we exist in, it's massive. Um, but if there was another intelligent species within the Milky Way, we would probably possibly know about it. Possibly. Yeah. There's a now, good the chance. Problem, something. Right. But the problem is, as you're putting it, and you're absolutely right, because that's one galaxy, but the universe is made up of many, 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 many. Oh, we have a. 
there's a actual limit of what we've seen and it continues to grow correct but there are galaxies out there massive galaxies small galaxies and all these galaxies are drifting away from each other so with that you get expanding and continuing expanding distances even if there's radio waves out there they're not getting past that because or even light can't you know at certain point distances with speeds of uh galaxies expanding and stuff but yeah it's reaches a point where you really have to get to a level of technological craziness to find some way of making it possible and energy efficient because i'm sorry i i don't want to jump from one galaxy to another just to go hey look someone using a stick Exactly. And, and we're out of gas now. Yeah. It's like, uh, that's great use of your technology, though. Yeah. Exactly. So. And, and sleeper ships that take, like, if we sent a sleeper ship that took 400 years to get to Alpha Centauri, I mean, even if the technology existed to do that, and, you know, with Einsteinian relativity and relativistic effects going into play, what is the benefit? You can't, anything that's learned, the cost doesn't fit. You're not getting any of that back in, in anyone's lifetime. So, uh, in the most simple, logically, well, logically constructed argument, premise A is aliens exist in a sapient, sentient, intelligent form. I accept that. Premise yeah. B, they have the ability to get here. Premise C, they have it. Well, I'm not supposed to have premise C in a very simple, logical argument. But premise C, they have the ability to efficiently get here. I don't accept premise B or C. So I can't okay. say they've been here. As soon as those two things change, then my, my conclusion logically would be, yeah, they exist. They can get here. They have been here. Um, well, actually, I would actually argue your Genesis ship idea actually has another flaw with it. If you send a Genesis ship out that, you know, let's just say takes 400 years, 400 years is a long time. And there's a very good possibility that physics may have advanced by then. And by the time you reach Alpha Centauri, it's already been inhabited. Correct. By a ship that left eh, 200 years after you. Right. Or did the sun go supernova in that time? Because we really don't know when its expiration period is. Right. And then, so, so like, if aliens showed up on Earth... And so that's why I said the other thing is empirical evidence. If tomorrow, uh, you know, Lieutenant Commander Worf and uh, Chancellor Gowron come down off a ship, and, and it's, you know, they're clearly aliens, and they start killing people with bat-lefts and mech-lefts, uh, yeah, okay, now I believe in aliens, but you know what else changes? My belief that the speed of light is the speed limit of the galaxy, and, you know, uh, Einstein had it wrong. And our knowledge of physics is BS and out the window. Now, if you want to ask me an opinion, what do I think is more likely? That our knowledge of physics is wrong? Or that, you know, uh, that you can travel faster than light? I'm going to say our knowledge of physics is probably wrong. But I can't make a conclusion based off probably. By the best available knowledge at the time, it's not possible for them to have been here. Okay. Well, um... That's like a window into how my brain works, huh? 
that's fine. That's that's what this show does. Uh, the next question is um, kind of more of a societal one. So when they're talking to the retired police officer, and he talks about investigating a crime scene that Toombs that was responsible for. He just kind of mentions, it reminded me of, I had a feeling, and then when I observed it, it reminded me of those death camps in Poland. And now the ethnic cleansing you see in the Balkans, which um, that was a very much an issue that was occurring at the time of this writing. You see it in the newspaper at the end. Um, but his argument was that this guy is probably a product of all the evil we put into the world. Um, yeah, it's the old nature nurture argument. You know, what do you guys think of that? Was is someone like Toombs or some other criminal serial killer, etc., the product of a society that just likes to fight and shout and be argumentative or just flat out evil, or is this entirely on their own? Well, you can oh, answer yeah. either from the position of Toombs or just in general. Well, let's see. That's the problem. I think you can't. The answer for those two are separate. The reason right. why. Right. That's why I kind of separated at the end there. Yeah. Because Toombs is really driven on instinct. It's very clear. Right. Everything right. is self preservation. He has no morals. He's almost an animal. Almost. I'm not going to go as far as saying he is, but he is almost an animal. Well, He's driven by instinct. Yeah. He doesn't have any seeming to have any choice in what he does to some degree. He chooses yeah. his targets. He does do things. But it's almost like he's just doing it. Right. Um, now, others? Absolutely, I think society has some, some to do with it. it. Now, I'm not going to 100% go, and we've had this discussion before, in other movies and stuff we've reviewed, nature versus nurture. And my opinion hasn't really changed. It, it's, it's not 50-50. It's, not, it's really hard to put a 45-55. No, it, it fluctuates person to person. Some of it becomes is more to do with just the genetics and the, what they have. And then some of it's the environment. Now, trying to figure out what percentage per person is almost impossible. But I would say it, it's a combination of the two that create it. Now, if you, you add more violence of, in society, you're obviously going to be adding more external uh, nurture malice in. This is a, a loaded question for me because I don't think we look at it correctly. Um, I hate this question. I, I hate this opinion that uh, society makes individuals evil because philosophically, a society is a construct and the, the morals of society are simply what the majority of society believes should be, or large numbers of society believe should be the behavior. Um, it kind of follows to the general will idea. There's an unspoken construct of the general will of society, and that will 
bring you into it or if you're fighting it too much on something that really is the will of society you will be pushed out of that society um and it will just happen um that said it's like this violent video games don't make killers they don't but i do believe that there is and, and maybe it's just because i'm a new father now i do believe that Children, especially young children, infants, toddlers, you know, they're learning everything about what it means to be human from the humans they're observing the most. So even as young as a month old or two months old, a year old, they're learning how to give and receive love, how to give and receive affection. They're learning if they should have empathy or not. Um, I disagree a lot with the... You can't coddle a child all the time. But I disagree with the let the child cry it out method for 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah, they need to learn to self-soothe. But if you leave a crying baby at two months old to cry for 35 minutes or an hour until they cry themselves to sleep, what are you teaching them at a very young age? That no one's coming to help them. You're not giving them love. You're not showing them how to receive comfort and empathy and, and affection. And maybe that's why we have some of these problems. So I do believe that has a case in that's where nature or nurture can impact nature. Because a lot of your basic nature, your personality, when your brain is laying down its, its neural pathways and its connections, is being formed a ton of that between the time you're like 0 and 10 years old. When your brain is very elastic. Who you are is being definitively formed then. So the individual influences in your life, the situation that you're in while you're growing up during that time, that part of nurture has a huge impact on your nature. Um, But I think it has to do mostly with the core people around you in those first few years of life. You end up subconsciously when you're younger, picking up some of the traits of your parents. And then maybe as you get older, you try to filter out traits you don't want consciously. But um, to me, society does not create evil people. In some ways, you're born with a predisposition to that. In other ways, you were not nurtured to have the right empathy for other people to get to the point where you can... You know, if you kill someone in a fit of passion... Most people aren't going to do that, but that doesn't mean that you're evil. But Jeffrey Dahmer was evil. Something went wrong. I don't know if it was that his parents didn't love him enough as a kid, or I don't know if it's that he was just born miswired to not have empathy for people. Um, but in, in a non-answer answer, the only thing I'm going to say is society and the crap and the evil that's going on in greater society does not make individuals bad. Individuals who are evil make society full of evil. It, 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 you can't, I can't reason that way. Society is the whole product of the action of individuals. So the sum of the parts cannot be what's causing the parts to be bad. Maybe that's the best analogy. Um, that, that's it. If you build a car with crap parts, it's not that there's so many crappy, it's not that the car's crappy that made the parts crappy. The crappy parts made the car crappy. And individuals okay. are the parts of society. Okay. And also, there is a point to be made that someone could grow up in a completely loving society and still turn out to be ridiculously evil. 
Yeah, I don't think it's a, I don't um, think it's a this idea that I no, I was just in fact in a conference where we had a discussion about mental health due to our students and an issue was brought up that some of your students are going to have mental health issues and if you look at their background there's no reason why you'd think they would. They had loving parents that put in proper boundaries and they were raised with all their physical needs taken care of and then some so you would think why does this person have a mental health issue well for other reasons so um i definitely don't agree with this cop that this this um tombs mutant let's say is the manifestation of any kind of societal issue he's around for a hundred years before any death camps or whatever so i i suspect that was something added into kind of discuss the bosnian crisis that it was going on at the time yeah that's actually a rip i haven't had a rip on the x-files yet but this is a rip it seemed kind of in contrived and jammed in there yeah this was shoehorned in it has nothing to do with this story this is about a genetic abnormality that hibernates and needs to eat human livers for the regenerative processes to fuel him up for his 30-year hibernation uh, uh cycle these are yeah. individual killings that are not based in any way, shape, or form on any ethnic cleansing. It, 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 it's the wrong killer to tie this message to. It, 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 someone came in and said, ah, oh, we need something here. This is bad. Either the Tombs character needs to be different, or this connection to ethnic cleansing in Bosnia that's going on at the moment needs to be tossed out. It makes no sense. It's not story-breaking. But it's just, it's so bizarre that it needs to be, it's something that, you know, you go back through with your pen like Hemingway did at the end of his stories and say, I don't need any of this angle, take it out. Yeah, I would agree with you. That, that was a rip for me as well. That was the only rip in this episode that this was shoehorned in. Um, it wasn't, it's a rip, but it's only a point rip. Because unlike, uh, I don't know, captain marvel that shoehorned in the refugee crisis in the most ridiculous way possible and then made it a central core part of the story um thereby completely negating the kree scroll war which is part of marvel this was just a touch in it was shoehorned but it was a touch in that takes very little time and space it doesn't detract from the main story so it hurts but not a lot um, but I definitely don't think that there are manifestations of societal evil that someone just becomes evil because they happen to be part of Society X um, and Society X created that Society X has might be a factor but that's a factor not the factor so well is there anything else in terms the rips and picks are answering any of the questions before we rate this thing. I may have a pick. All right, go for it. I would agree with you guys' rip. But my pick would be this character. It might have been inspired by Science of the Lambs. But it goes so much creepier in some ways. While Silence of the Lambs had a killer who was very methodical, very intelligent. 
this one is driven on instinct and the creepiness factor at times is cranked up to 11. yeah i mean the glowing uh, yellow eyes in the uh dark and sure and i'm not going to be ashamed to say this i knew this episode was coming I've seen all these episodes. This is one of them I was not looking forward to rewatching. It's just disturbing. <laughs> and it, it it messes with me. You know, especially when they frame his face in the shadow so that you either just see the eyes or you just see his face with the sadistic look. Um, definitely, yeah. It achieves this creepiness factor. So, well, I think with that in mind, um, how many consumed livers do we want to give this thing? Ooh, consumed livers. Yeah, how many consumed livers do we want to give this thing? I'll start. I don't like liver, man. Well, you're not eating it. Um, I'll give it a nine. Again, it asks those hard-hitting questions. We see Scully starting to, Mulder and Scully starting to have a uh, cement their relationship. I mean, heck, at one point she's called Spooky Scully. Um, she's, though she's not entirely all in with Mulder, she's starting to respect him and see the method to the madness. And plus she sees something more humble about him than like, um, uh, her colleagues who are just too busy trying to climb the ladder and they don't care who they step on. Mulder is really in it for the investigation for the truth. Um, you know, Scully uh, was asked, are you doing this investigation because you want to defend Mulder? Or who are, you in, who are you doing this for, Mulder? And she responds, I'm doing it for the victims. And she sees that Mulder is far more interested in something like that or the truth of the matter than just climbing the FBI ladder. Uh, so we see a point of development there and a respect for Mulder. And we also see a really great villain um, who freaks you out appropriately. And it's nice to see them win in the end. So, but on the downside, there was the shoehorn and plot, but it was such a minor point about Bosnian crisis that it it doesn't take away from the overall episode other than that point. So 9 out of 10. Okay. I'm going to give it a 9.5 out of 10. There is that shoot-it-honed-in bit that does detract from it. But this episode to I'm re-watching it. Yes, it's fresh again. But even before re-watching it, remember this episode this is a sticks with you and i think that it's a good way of doing it it's a good episode to stick with um it does pretty much everything right and gets all these characters pretty flushed out and it does what it's supposed to do it's supposed to disturb you and oh boy does it disturb you I, I love it. Um, there's not much wrong with this episode. You, you've got a shoehorned in 
attempt to tie in a current event going on in, in Bosnia that doesn't fit. That said, this one doesn't hit home for me. It doesn't doesn't do anything for me it doesn't you know i watched it the first time as i was going through chronologically and i realized i kind of checked out of it as i was going through it and i watched it again today uh because i knew we had to do the show on it and while it's good it doesn't tick the great meter for me so i'm gonna give it seven uh consumed livers there's nothing wrong with it it's still an above average episode i mean it's more than a tick above average but I take some points away for for something that I haven't seen the show do as much in other cases where we just ham-fist something in to talk about. Um, and I just, for some reason, the, the guest agent of the week coming in to talk about how stupid Mulder is or how weird and out there spooky Mulder is rubbed me the wrong way a bit too. And maybe I just... The Tombs villain didn't ring home for me in a great way either like I, I you know i'm not taking anything at thomas it's creepy and it hits everyone differently and at thomas it was very creepy for you he does some, he does a great acting job and they did some great things with the effects with the eyes uh and you had the creepiness with the nest and and that i just didn't um for me it doesn't so I'll, I'll i'll give this one a seven it's a good episode but compared to other x-files episodes uh i, I like a lot of the other episodes i've seen so much more I suppose this one makes a lot of lists because of the creep factor, really. Um, but, you know, that's... Well, to be hey, honest, yeah. Not just that, but remember, this is on the Scott scale. Yeah, well, no, he admitted it was above average. So yes, it's, it's still not... A, he's not saying it's bad or anything. He's still saying this was an excellent episode. Yeah. Uh, oh no, absolutely. This is, we're still on track for this being probably the highest rated month we've ever done. Yep. And, and, and sometimes um, I, get, I, I think, get lost in TV shows, comparing episodes to other episodes of the TV show in my rankings too. So, well, I would still say, you know, the only other months where we kind of had high ranking episodes through and through was probably Back to the Future month and uh, NASA November. Um, we didn't have any really low ratings in those months, yeah. so it's not un- it's not impossible, but not common, Sicky. So savor it because we've got one more episode coming at you next week for X Files, and it's going to be season one again. Wait, I, wait, wait! I'm not going to say that. Are you trying to tell us that you, after next week, are going back to picking terrible shows and movies for us to watch? Uh, I, I'd like to say no. I'd like to say no. I'll, I'll withhold what we're doing for now, but I can guarantee you next month, at least one of the episodes will be very enjoyable. <laughs> but hang on hang on i mean think of it this way remember when we did tremor september and only one of them was considered like a great movie the rest of them were just sinful desires of you know guilty pleasures it'll be like that i think aha um so, but we're not there yet. We still got one more X-Files to go. It's going to be season one again. So, uh, tune in for that. 
Also, you can tune, tune in at our other shows on Spotify, uh, Zodiac Task Force, which is always a blast. We're working on our next episode already. I can't wait. To, I'm back in the writing chair, and I'm really excited. Hopefully, uh, we'll make we'll just advance the, the story in new and exciting ways. The Casatorium's coming back with some Cold Case Chase in case of the chills. Hopefully, about a haunted elevator. We also have uh, our Discord page where you can go interact with us, try out for parts, that sort of thing. And you can also leave comments on our website at ravinglunaticmedia.com, 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 Ragemaster. What's left for them to do? Stay tech stickies. 